Hello, and welcome back to Stern Chats, a podcast that explores the untold stories of NYU's Stern community. My name is Charles Ndemena. And my name is Anushka Soiree. Today, we talk about the experience of being black in business school. Why this topic? Black students make up approximately 10% of all MBA programs annually, and that number has been pretty fixed for the past few years. But being black in B-School is so much more than just a number. We are a collective of backgrounds, experiences, and frankly, swag that make up this amazing community. Here, we speak to Ms. Nadia Weeks, Kendra Sproul, and Tori Crosby, just a handful of our active black B-Schoolers, about their experiences at Stern. The good, the bad, and everything in between. Let's get into it. All right. So welcome. Hello and welcome. Uh, now, I already introduced y'all, but I think first it would really help our listeners to hear the layers of who's in the room and how we're showing up. So I'm going to go ahead and go first. Uh, I'm Anushka. I use she, her pronouns. And I'm a first generation American to Sierra Leonean parents. And I'm a second year MBA focusing on entertainment. Full time. I'm Charles. I'm a first generation Nigerian American, uh, second year MBA student, and happy to be here. Hi, I'm Kendra. I'm a first-generation Kendra, and <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm an MBA too, she, her pronouns, and uh, I recruited for consulting. Hi, everyone. My name is Nadia Weeks. I'm a first-generation Liberian-American, full-time, second-year MBA student, and I'm just happy to be on the mic. Liberian girl. <laughs> <laughs> I get that a lot, actually. It's a very odd. Because I'm just like, wow, I love that people want to sing to me. <laughs> listen, listen. That's how you know that the vibe is on. That's true. It's a measure of friendship. <laughs> and last and certainly not least. Certainly not least. Um, hello, everyone. I'm Tori Crosby. I'm part of the Lango and Part-Time program uh, in my final year as well. Can take a long time, so... Not really sure how to quantify that. Um, I welcome any pronouns. I like to say as long as they're nice, and I'm just happy to be here. All right, so we're all happy to be here, and yes, we are all about to graduate, Woo-hoo! which is amazing. Yes, um, but let's kind of roll it back to when we first all got here to business school. Uh, I know that seems like a while ago. I know for the four of us, it was two years ago. Tori, it was how many? Eons. <laughs> <laughs> You don't got to you don't got to no, to, to say anything yeah. but it's been a minute. Um when we were first thinking about business school, um what was something that you were looking for particularly in a black community? What were you looking for? What were like the things that you wanted to make sure that you were walking into? I think I was looking for inspiration mostly. I think the ability to see other black folk, other black queer folk in positions where they have power, um they're knowledgeable credible, all those things, was really important to me. And I think especially coming into business, which is not a space I ever saw myself coming to, was very important to me as well as coming into this space. Do you think that you found that here? Yes. Yes. That was a long... Yes. I think I found it more in my peers than I did in, in you know, actual people. Because there's not many to look at, right? Yeah. Um, as far as, like, faculty and and staff-wise, but my peers are incredible, incredible people, and so I was able to get that from them. Not you specifically, but others for sure. (laughs) (laughs) The shade. 
I, so for context, my, I went to a PWI for my undergrad. And I think that because of my experience coming from undergrad, where to be honest, like, I've never felt more black graduating from my undergrad institution than, you know, than obviously before when I um, matriculated. So to be honest, like, I don't think that I was as focused on finding a black community in my MBA program. I was also an MLT. I'm a consortium fellow, all of these things, because I think that I was always going to find other black people because that is a core to my being. Like, I can't exist in this world Mm -hmm. unless I am amongst black people. But I did have an idea of I graduated from undergrad and only knew black people, essentially. Okay. And those are my friends and that was it. And so I was like, okay, like, if I'm going to do this again, let me really put myself out there because I know at the end of the day when I need to, like, be vulnerable and rely on other people, I will lean on my black community. But that wasn't something that I think I was, like, considering very strongly when I started business school. Retrospectively, two years after, maybe I should have considered it more. (laughs) Interesting. Why do you say that? You just have to work so much harder. Mm. Yeah, you just have to work so much harder here. You have to work so much harder to create a community. You have to work so much harder to bring people together. And despite the fact that we were applying amongst George Floyd, like it's June 2020, right? When we're starting this journey of applying to business school and you're hearing what people say about how they're approaching diversity, how they're approaching gathering, um, getting more black faculty. And now you look back and it's three years later. You're like, huh. Now what? Yeah. (laughs) It's like that's interesting selling points. And let's go beyond that. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, so I also went to a to a PWI undergrad, and I had a great experience in general because similar to Nadia, when I find my community, I find my community. Like uh, it could be one, it could be two. Like I'm I'm gonna make friend. I'm gonna do the head nod when I see a black person on campus. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to get everybody's name. I'm gonna get to know everybody. So that was something that I was kind of seeking, but I was mostly seeking comfort. I wanted to be at a school where I could just be myself and be comfortable because uh, when I was looking back, reflecting on my undergrad experience, I feel like, I mean, we were also in the middle of nowhere in Lewisburg, Pennsylvania. So it literally was just like basically on a farm somewhere. So like... I don't even know where that is. (laughs) (laughs) So in general, I was just very out of my comfort zone. And so I knew I wanted to be in a city. There were things that were very important to me where I just wanted to feel like I could be myself and... And do whatever I wanted and not be judged for it. So uh, I feel like that's what I was looking for, the comfort. And I love that there's every single type of person here. Like, um, there's not one single type of, like, sterny. So that's that's what made me want to come here in the first place. I guess I guess I'd say the one thing I was thinking about a lot was, like, expecting it to be already, like, ready-made. Mm. So when I came here, it was pretty established. And I was just kind of slotting in. And, like, everything was kind of set up. And we just kind of take that along and run with it. And I was a bit surprised coming here that it wasn't as structured or as, like, fleshed out as I thought it would be, which was kind of strange to me. And I guess that also comes because we're coming off the heels of COVID, still going on then, and there was probably some traditions that weren't brought over. Then also, I think, due to that and the fact that the black community here is very tied in with, like, 
obviously the Hispanic community and other communities like that, it kind of diluted what I thought was going to be a ready-made black community and experience. Yeah. Mm. So it was interesting, but I think I, I kind of adjusted to it pretty quickly. I tried to stop expecting the community to, like, do things. And I was like, if I want something to happen, I have to, like, either be more vocal about it or be more adamant against it. Like, it was more about being more involved as opposed to just slotting in, enjoying it, and then slotting out. So. No, I appreciate you saying that and all of you sharing what you were and even weren't looking for. Um, I think we all kind of come in with some sort of notion or some sort of goal. And then when we get here, we have to adjust for what is or isn't there. Um, But given that, I'm wondering where you guys really felt the most supported. I mean, I'll say that I probably felt the most supported through ABBAs. ABBAs is the Association of Hispanic and Black Business Students. Um, So Charles mentioned before how uh, the Latino population and the Black population are kind of like in one group. ABBAs is that that group. Uh, So being co-president, it was very intentional as like, I want to do more for Black people. (laughs) Um, Though the the organization is for uh, Hispanic and Black, I wanted to be intentional of finding my black community. And I felt like being president would make sure that there was a voice at the table. And that's what I wanted. I wanted people to, one, I wanted their voices to be heard. I want to make sure that I'm making a collective decision. And so I felt really well supported from my peers for that. Yeah, I I, I agree. I think Abbas was the, the big sort of linchpin for my experience here. But one interesting thing I always thought about with Abbas was that it's like, your home and also kind of like your island. So sometimes people treat, especially people in like the, the community and the school overall, they they want to give people within Abbas their own space to, you know, have community and exist and, and do that. But also there seems to be a bit of like a fear that if others get involved, allies come around or like we want the entire school to be involved in certain things that they don't feel welcome. It's not that we're not welcome it's, it, itself, but I feel like there's a balance between like us having our own community and them feeling like they don't want to intrude in that community. So I... Loved it for what it was, but one thing that I, I wish we were more cognizant of, it's, it's hard to think about, more cognizant of like throughout the process, and I think in the future they should be, is making sure Abbas feels like it is a community for the people that you know feel aligned to it, but also it shouldn't be this isolated sort of island where those feel like people, others feel like they can't engage with Abbas as much or things like that. I like that you said the thing about the island because it does feel like sometimes, yo, why aren't people coming to our stuff? Like, yeah. we want, like why are we fighting to get X number of people to come to our events when such and such clubs are getting so many people. And that's kind of a constant um, thing because we do want to make sure that we have that space for us, like that for us, by us space. But at the same time, we still need (laughs) we need attendance and we want people to be involved. That's a very that's a very hard uh, thing to um, navigate. It's ironic because, like, I think the the black people in the school are pretty liked, like people like us individually and as a group, but I feel like there's just this weird sort of pressure they feel like they might infringe on the space we're trying to create, but we're like, hey, buy our tickets, come to our events, but they're like, I don't know, and I'm like, what is this hesitation? If you love all of us, why is there this hesitation to engage with us when we're asking you to do so? So, I think that brings us to a pretty good um, segue into kind of talking a little bit more about allyship, and where do you think folks fall short in that category? I think for me, People assume that allyship is something that can be necessarily achieved, right? But it's a journey, and I think people oftentimes think, you know, I, I did this thing, or I accomplished this, or, you know, I have these friends, and 
that's it. Like, I'm an ally. And it's like, not quite. Uh, there's still work to be done. There's always work to be done. There's never a ceiling that can be reached when it comes to allyship and standing in solidarity with people. And so I think that's a very common misconception about allyship that I, I wish people spent more time sort of sitting with and reflecting on. Yeah, I don't know if that answered the question, actually. What are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to talk, talk a little bit about allyship. Oh, okay. That's what a lot of our, our non-black friends... That's what I did. Yeah, you did it. Yeah, you I did it. Did okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> Others? I think that reflecting on Abbas, like what, what Charles was saying about how come to our events, like support us. I don't think that's allyship. Like... I don't want somebody saying, well, I bought this ticket, so I'm an ally. I want them saying, well, I had this really good conversation with Anushka, and now I understand her experience better. Like, I feel like that's allyship, when you actually understand, when it's beyond just buying a ticket or attending an event. It's when you're learning. Fair. I I think two things can be true at the same time, because one thing I do think is First of all, there's literally not that many of us mm. on campus. So if that were to be true and people had a conversation, we would just be talking to people all day. Like, <laughs> there's, there's, just, there's like two of us for every 60 of a non-black person here. So that would just take a lot of work. So I do think that, like, I would love to see, similar to other groups like SWIB, like OutClass, like more more allyship and other people coming to other um, coming to various community events. I've been going to a lot of ABS's events, um, the Asian Business Society, and they've been putting on amazing programming. I'm probably one of the only allies there. And I would actually venture to say it's the same thing for our black events. And so I would love to see the amount of support that other groups have. It for office events, but I also think it's true that I haven't had to kind of my expectation. Um, I haven't had a lot of people asking me about like, how could I be a better ally? If we're talking about managing teams in business school, if we're talking about how to have difficult conversations. Mm -hmm. I haven't had that many difficult conversations about what it means to be black in the world today, especially in a world where we are going to be the minority. The U.S. is only 13% black. Like, we're always going to be one of many, like one of few in an organization. And I will say I've had that conversation maybe two times with an ally in my two years here. And I think that's so re reflected even in just in curriculum. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. how many cases have we read in our business school experience and how many of them have been, how, how many of the case focuses have been a black person? A hundred percent. When I see HBS posts sometimes, the cases that they're reading, like I would love, <laughs> let me turn up my mic louder. <laughs> turn it up. Turn it turn up on my, my headphones. Mic. Turn up my mic. <laughs> I would love to see in the next two years a professor have a case with black people or a black-owned company at the spotlight. Because th they clearly exist. I see on Instagram, like, these great leaders saying, oh, my gosh, here's my case that I just wrote for HBS. So they exist. They exist. But they, somehow it hasn't popped into NYU's atmosphere. It's, it's funny. 
It's funny you say that because uh, Kendra and I had the class, the global strategy last year, last mm-hmm. last year, and there we had a case and everything. And there was one time where she was showing us a video. From the video, it was crazy. The video and it was like, oh, <laughs> entrepreneur in like Nigeria that's like learning like cultivate like canola oil, like big business coming up. And we're like, oh, this is interesting. And it was like. A, like a white woman was it like a white woman we were shook and like it, it, it was funny as if it was like this like entrepreneur like in the in the west african space grow she like, went to hbs a white woman saw an opportunity went to like nigeria and was like i'm gonna start like cultivating canola oil and do all this stuff with it but i was like the idea that you it was like framed as if it'd be like this interesting sort of person of color that's starting a nice business that like saw an opportunity in a place maybe their family or parents are from it was like no like a random white lady that saw an opportunity, went to Nigeria and was like, I have this business here now. So it's funny that, like, I know you're mentioning, like, cases that are specific to, like, black people and things like that. In fact, like, there's a scenario which it's like, okay, you're you're choosing to choose a case or a video where you're bringing, you're highlighting a person that doesn't represent the culture that, or the space that they're going into, and they're trying to, they're trying to, like, almost reap the benefits of what's available there was kind of, like, shocking us. Because McKenzie were like, we had no idea. That, I think they, they buried the lead, so we didn't know for, like, most of the video that it was, like, a white lady until, like, near the end, it's like, oh, that's the person who did this whole thing? Like, they kind of, like, didn't talk about it the entire time. But I also, um, so this semester I'm in a class where I actually did read a case about a up-and-coming, like, black company, and I was terrified. When I, when I saw, like, when I was doing the reading before class, I was like, oh, my gosh, like, how, how is this conversation going to go? Like, um, I I was like, there's only one other black person in this class, and am I going to have to, like, stand up for, like, a... I, I was just, like, I just don't know where this conversation is going to go. So, like, read the case. It was a really good case. And then came to class. Race was not mentioned once. Like, it wasn't... Like, literally, it was all in my head. That's it was the like, problem. Yeah. I, and, I, and, like, the one other black person in the class, I texted her, and I was like, you're not even coming today? Because, <laughs> like, I was, like, so afraid. And um, it ended up, like, just being about business. Like, it, the conversation. So, in a way, there were pros and cons. So, like... Pro being that it wasn't, like, highlighted as, like, this is a big deal because this is a black company. But I feel like it also should have been a big deal. Yeah, I definitely think there are ways that, you know, identity-based ideals can be and should be embedded just in the curriculum naturally. I think it's not anything that we can ever escape, right? We're always navigating spaces as our identities, whether that's, you know, our race, our class, you know, all those things. It's like, these are all things that we're navigating business in. And so I feel like there are natural ways we can embed them in the curriculum that can highlight, you know, the nuances in our experiences and our identity. Yeah, and it's just such a disservice, not just to us, but also to our peers who are going to be working in these spaces with. Mm-hmm. If all, if their only examples, or if the majority of their examples are predominantly white um, business leaders, how are they going to know what it is to work with us and how we're how we're showing up in these spaces? Not just us, but everyone at the intersectionality of all of their of their de- identities. So it's definitely not just an NYU thing um, across all business schools, but it is something that, in our experience at Stern, that um, we've all noticed. What is um, a privilege that you perceive your peers being able to exercise over you? Kind of related to the last thing we were talking about, it's like they don't have to think about their identity mm. in any sort of way. So, like, they just take these things at face value, and it's like, okay, like, we move on. We ball. And how is that different for you? For me, it's like, okay, like, I'm a black person. Mm-hmm. My supervisor is not black. 
culturally, like, how do we communicate? Um, how does that affect our communication? How does that affect our relationship? Um, I think oftentimes there's, I think boundaries are more stark um, when you have a supervisor who cannot relate to you on some portion of your identity. Um, and so how do we, how do we transcend those boundaries? How do we really make a meaningful relationship out of this is all things I think about just because, you know, I'm black. Things like code switching. Things like code switching. <laughs> you want to explain code switching real quick for the <laughs> code switching, code switching. Everyone has it's really, the same Google. It's, <laughs> Google is free. Google is free on Beyonce's internet. Code switching, I think, at least to me, like plays into respectability politics and needing to behave and act and communicate a certain way in order to sort of adhere to this standard of professionalism that was not decided by us. So I would change the way I speak, mm-hmm. you know, when I'm in a meeting with other folks, whereas, you know, when I'm with, when I'm with my friends, I'm like, you know, all sorts of slang is being thrown out, you know, all sorts of... I don't know. No, I even now we're right. putting on for the the podcast. But Literally, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> My spine is stiff. Like <laughs> Nadia, you said you had a list. So, what do you want to go down the Rolodex? Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> I think okay. How about I just do like my top three, like the ones that popped into my head. Copy. I think that. And honestly, this is not just specific to our school. I would imagine most other black people in business school feel this way. The feeling of being uncomfortable, like a lot of the time. And what I mean by that is like in mundane, in things like if it's humid, like I have black natural hair. I do not want to sit outside. I don't care how nice it is. <laughs> Period. Like it's humid and it may be 60 degrees and the first 60 degree day in a long time. I don't care. Sit me inside, please. Sit me inside Sit with the me. AC. Yeah. <laughs> and like that brings up a conversation of why do you have to do that? Da, 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 da. And sometimes I'm hungry. And I want to sit inside and that's it. Like, <laughs> and like that, that feeling of like being uncomfortable and being like, ooh, I'm the only person that's experiencing this. Or even when we go on trips and you're like, I'm sharing a room with someone who is not black. What does this mean in terms of my hair products, sleeping with a scarf, like all of these things? That is not a comfortable experience and no one will ever have you know, you're not gonna have that experience. Then you have the money factor, Yo. which is like <laughs> People are spending money and you're like, I, 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 I got to think twice about this, but you just did it and and you didn't even think a millisecond. The swiping of the cards is crazy. Yeah, yes. it is crazy. <laughs> Correct. And so there's the, there's the money factor. And then I also think that like, at least for me as a black woman, I'm very, I'm a passionate person. I have a lot of energy. And sometimes I'm always worried about And I'm also straightforward. (laughs) So I'm always worried about how I'm perceived because I have realized that I'm, for a lot of people, I may be their closest and most frequent black interaction that they have in their life. And so if I'm like, "Mm, no, that number is wrong because blah, 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 or you need to do this, this, and this, I am like 
reflecting back, how did I actually say that? Because I know that in a millisecond, this person will call me aggressive. And that happened to me my first week of school. Someone was like, we had homework. A, a girl like me, you know, I tried to do my homework, at least on the first two weeks. I sit down, I said, okay, let's, so let's talk about it. This is what I thought this assignment was about. They said, um, excuse me, can you give everybody else a second to read the prompt? I said, this was homework. <laughs> this was homework. And he says, also, you talk a lot. I said, oh, okay, well, this is how it's going to go. And that was day one. <laughs> I want to talk about grades. Let's talk, let us talk about grades. Please, let's talk about grades. Let's talk about the grades. First year was rough. Mm, uh, speak on it. And being a consortium fellow, like, you have to maintain a 3.0. And just people are like, 3.0? Oh, that's a piece of cake. That's easy. I could do that in my sleep. I had to work for that 3.0. And a lot of my classmates probably didn't, even think about the fact that everybody may not be in that same level like grades don't matter or mm-hmm. I can get whatever great C's get degrees or whatever whatever they say um, so C's I was, do get, get degrees I do like that <laughs> I know but but, but but not when you got a scholarship <laughs> you gotta get a 3.0 you can't listen, have C's I, I'm like listen I might get a C in finance but I get an A somewhere else and that equals out to a B <laughs> I can't do math but but <laughs> But I know how an average works, but keep going. I'm just saying that, listen, it's okay to get a C because some things are not your uh, your ministry all the time. Yes, it's just the stress that comes yes. with, like, group projects and, like, some group mm-hmm. members not really caring mm-hmm. about. Yeah. They're like, look, I can just get a B. I can just get, look, 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 let's just pass. And I'm like, no, this is the class that I was supposed to get that A in, but now I'm depending on a group, and they're kind of determining my grades. So, like, I think that... At least for me, for my first semester, it was very stressful to just like, how do I not be that pesky person that's like, hey, y'all, we need to get, we need to meet up. We have to get this group project done. And how do I still like maintain friendships? Yes. uh, And not be like, oh, Kendra's that girl. All she cares about is grades. But also like have my sanity, help my own sanity. And like, uh, even though grades don't really matter as much in general in the end, um, it still mattered a lot to me. So... One point I wanted to bring up about the the privilege thing we were talking about earlier was um, I know you, you had a list in your head. For some reason, the first thing that came in my head was not being scrutinized for the successes in my life. Hmm. So, like, for instance, when I first got my internship offer, the idea that me, a black person, could get this internship offer and you couldn't dumbfounded some people. Really? And I got like, I went to lunch with a few people. I'm not going to name any names. Lunch with a few people. You can name names. And somebody was like, <laughs> <laughs> and someone's like, I was like, oh, I'm going to uh, Bain and Company this summer. Like dumbfounded it. And the fact that like, sometimes when like you're successful or things are going well for you, it's scrutinized to like, oh, we got it only because he's black. Or it's like, was it a minority program? Was this? That really bothers me. Mm-hmm. And I idea like when you're successful or doing good things, that it's not for others, for certain people, it's not scrutinized. It's like, okay, he worked hard. He smart enough or this sort of thing. But like if a certain person gets it and looks a certain way, sometimes it's like, oh, was it like a diversity thing or like how'd you do that? Or who, like it's, it's, it's never about like your merit or how well you performed. It's about maybe who you knew or it's a diversity thing. So he got it. And that's one thing that I think I, like others and people are going to have to deal with it going forward that, you know, we deal with now that 
I don't know how you rectify that or how you like reconcile the fact that like sometimes the fact that you feel successful and others don't deem you as being as like fitting of that success is something you have to combat with in your head constantly. So. And that's going to continue to show up even in our workplace experiences. Yeah. So let's talk about some of our really, really great experiences. What would you say best represents the black experience at B-School that you can't find in a brochure for all of our prospective students listening out there? I know. It's like the smaller thing. So sometimes it's just like seeing people in the hallway or like sometimes like you hang out at somebody's place outside of like a school-sanctioned event. It's just like very small nuanced things that make like the community feel more like a community outside of Stern being this sort of like conduit for that. I agree because all of my favorite moments weren't necessarily because of Stern, but because of Stern I got to meet these people, you know? So like I think it's just the the right people are here to allow for me to like form friendships beyond school and to like form lifelong friendships. So I think that that's where it's really important to me because yeah, you can just see someone in the hallway every day or yeah, you can go to these events, but who's going to be there when I actually, when I'm crying, <laughs> you know, uh, like, so I've had so many friendships beyond just having a classmate where I really appreciate So I really appreciate Stern for that. Yeah, I think for me, like, one memory specifically that encapsulates, I think, um, what Charles and Kendra are saying is, like, in this class, brand strategy with Gita Menon, shout her out. Um, me and Corey were the only black people in the class. Corey Floyd, she's great. Um, shout her out, too. Um, and we were singing Happy Birthday. Well, I made everyone sing Happy Birthday. <laughs> I was like, yeah, why don't we? <laughs> <laughs> reframe, reframe. I got on the mic, made everyone sing Happy Birthday to the professor. And then when that was done, it was like all cute, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And then me and Corey, we both got on the mic and we started singing the black Happy Birthday, like the Stevie Wonder version. And everyone was like mad confused. But me and Corey were having such a moment. And I think, like they said, it's those small moments that like really really shine in the experience and um i'll just i'll never forget that moment it was so special i mean speaking of class and um tori (laughs) 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 i'll say something um which i think is relevant to i think everybody that's at in this room right now um i remember when i was getting my internship last year and it was it was tori (laughs) and kendra (laughs) i remember i just got it I was in, we were in a night class together and I was like, oh, I got an internship and I told you and you stopped everybody. You were like, I'm sorry, I need to get on the mic. Anushka just got her internship. <laughs> no, it wasn't even a real mic. It was the, it was Tori's fake mic. Oh, no! Tori got on his fake mic and oh, said, Lord. Oh, my God. <laughs> and said, Anushka got her internship. Everybody say congratulations. Like forced everybody to say congratulations. And then literally on the flip side, Kendra forced me when I texted her she was like put it in the group chat because we do have a group chat and I was like no I'm not gonna do it she's like if you don't do it I'm gonna do it (laughs) and it was just I appreciated that uh, our community is just very good about celebrating our wins together because I think especially when we are in these situations when you know when we have people saying how did you get here how like why are you here how did you get to this this space this place to have our community when we're saying yo, you won and your wins are my wins, I think is huge. Mm -hmm. And that's the small stuff that I appreciate in this experience. So thank you for blowing up my spot, both of (laughs) y'all. Listen, your business is everybody's business. (laughs) (laughs) 
like my favorite thing about CERN, my fa- one of my favorite moments was the moment last year when I think Anushka and I were in finance together and we were like, oh, child, I don't think we're feeling it today. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we're feeling it today. I said, yeah, you, all you got to say is about a word. It's going to make me skip a class. <laughs> Sorry, mom. And, <laughs> and we were in a study room. It was me, you, Charles, uh, and Kendra. And, Kendra. <laughs> and we just had a ball. For, and I for, was 90, like, for the 90 minutes, we should have been in class. <laughs> for the 90 minutes, we should have been in class learning about shorts and stock options. I said, this is a great moment. And I think. <laughs> <laughs> Why are we in that room? Well, they were skipping, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, you guys were like finishing a project. A project. Yeah, we were. Okay. You guys were doing work, yeah. and, and we then, said hello. <laughs> we're not going to class. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like that is a golden moment, and I think that, like, I guess to your point, like the community that we do have is small but mighty. It's the type of thing where, like, you see someone, you're like, oh, hey, what's up, blah 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 blah, and it just like gets you energy because you're just like, uh, yes. I'm like, it's like the moment you take off your bra at the end of the day or take off your pants. You're just like, oh, this is so much better. This is how life should feel. Yeah. What other experiences outside of Stern really elevated your experience at Stern or made it, made it worth it? As a person who likes to be outside. You like to be outside. I do like to be outside a lot. Um, <laughs> I think a benefit of also going to school in New York is being able to, like, bop around to other people's campuses. Like, I love Black Ski. Like, I think that going to Black Ski is so fun. Can you tell the people what Black Ski is? um, Black Ski happens once a year where all many of the top 20, um, plus also the, the historically black colleges that have business school programs. We all get together for a weekend and um, we essentially ski. It's organized by Tuck, which probably has to be the smallest black community. So honestly, like they are, they do an amazing job. I really just have to shout them out because like they don't have that many black people. And the fact that they can organize like this massive event with 400 people coming together is like truly amazing. But anyway, we get together. Um, people can ski for two days. You can network and like meet other people that are in at another business school. And I think it's just really lovely to take some a sport that is traditionally not something that black people do, or you honestly, I've never even thought about skiing before, and show up there and be like, not only are we wearing NYU, Columbia, you know, all these schools, Howard, like sweatshirts, like showing that we're like smart, but we're also taking over this massive resort where honestly, I love, I love a person say, oh, what are all these black people doing here? You show up. That's like my, it gives me joy. You just say, yes, we are here. Correct. Exactly. And when I see like their, Like, I got to, again, about the Tuckies, like, the people that go to Tuck, they ski all the time. So to see, like, black people doing double black diamonds, I'm like, this is amazing. I've literally never seen this before. So it's about, like, exposure to other people, exposure to a sport that, like, traditionally I feel like we've been ostracized from. And really having, like, black joy where you could do hustles. Like, you don't, we don't do hustles in 
at, at any parties at CERN. The music is not correct. <laughs> it is not. You don't hear Afrobeats. So to hear those things and to be like, yes, this is it. It's just a next level joy for me. You know, the people that like to be outside. <laughs> Although I got to say, the music at the blackout party this yeah, year was it awesome. Was lit. They yeah. did play Party in the USA at the beginning. And I, I remember I texted you and I was like, what's wrong? Diversity song. <laughs> <laughs> but also, like, I would never throw a party where the music was not all the way correct because that's just not it. Um. So for final thoughts, why does representation matter in business school? And how do you think your experience here will translate into your future? I want to say that I think there's weight seeing someone that looks like you going to business school. So I would have never thought that I was going to go to business school. I mean, I have a completely non-traditional background. I was thinking I'm never going to even hit. I mean, I was like, I'm at least trying to make 70K. <laughs> I was like, come on, I just want to at least get to 70 and then like maybe I can survive. Remember like, when 70 was the dream? Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. like, still the dream for me. I, don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I need a job. <laughs> it's just I would have never thought that business school could be a place for me. Mm-hmm. To to be here and to like talk to so many prospective students who look like me and to say like you can do it. So many people saying, "Oh, my GMAT score is too low. I'm afraid that I'm not going to fit in. I'm afraid." There's so many different uh, things that are holding people back from applying to business school in general. And I'm happy to say that somebody talked me into it to encourage me to do it. And now I'm doing that to others. So I think that's just like if we could continue encouraging people to just do it, to like the imposter syndrome, just like ignore all of that and just do it. Just like shoot your shot. I feel like the statistics are going to start going up if we just keep on supporting each other. Because I think that's what's great about the black community. Like we're there for each other. We're sisters. We're brothers. And like. It's like you may you may not even know the person, but you know them, and like you know what they're going through. Like when I see Anushka, like when we first met, I, I barely knew anything about you, but I knew you were struggling some days. I'm like, come oh, on, you want to? <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad like, the struggle was on my face. <laughs> and I'm like, you because... want to go for a walk? We started going for walks, and we just started just like, let's just leave the building for a second. Let's just go for walks. Let's just let it out. Let's just get some air because like you can tell, you can see on people's faces. And it's like not everybody can do that, but you you can do that when you like you have the shared experience. So I think that just there's just beauty and blackness. So I'm, I'm happy to be a role model even even if it's just one person to be a role model to be able to encourage at least that one person to come to business school. I have like a very short answer to it. Short answers are great. Representation matters because representation matters. It's dumb to say, but like the world isn't all white. The world isn't all black. The world isn't like the, the United States and a lot of places are very diverse. And like that diversity should translate across everything in the country. Work, workspaces, social spaces, everywhere. So like if anybody makes you believe that for some reason, like if one room looks all the same way and somebody's like, what's wrong with that? It's like, well, go outside, go take a walk, go to the park. Like that's not how the world's like. Like the world is brown, black, white, yellow, gr- it's everything. So, like, representation matters because it's, it encompasses, like, what makes the planet, the people, the United States, the co- everything. Like, it makes that, I don't know, it's really simple in my head. Yeah, I can agree with that. And I th- I'll, I guess I'll echo that and add on, well, add on, really, um, and say that representation matters because I think especially in the world that we live in right now, 
We need understanding. And to me, when you have, when you can represent a community, and to your point that you were saying earlier, like, I don't want anyone listening to this podcast to feel that any one of us, because frequently we're the only person in the classroom, represents an entire community. But I do think that, like, by listening to people that are from underrepresented backgrounds, you can at least try to understand where they're coming from. Like, and we really need that in the world. Like, there's no reason why someone is ringing the doorbell to the wrong house and they are fearful for their physical well-being. It shows a true lack of understanding. And I think to be human, to to be good humans in this world, like, we truly need to seek to understand. And to the latter part of your question where you talk about, where you asked, what are we going to take back? I was uncomfortable, like, 90% of my business school experience. But I also think that, like, I learned a hell of a lot. Like, I had no clue what the master's was. And now I know. <laughs> Golf. Oh. Yes. <laughs> Toy so, so looked right at me and said, what are the masters? <laughs> the masters are I like love this, the masters. This, yeah, this big like golf tournament. And like, I think that especially for underrepresented minorities, it is important, unfortunately, especially for us to like know all of these things that we're not privy to. And that's like the greatest gift that business school has given me because it makes us a better networker, which allows us to really get that bag. I think similar to Nadia's point, I just want our ideals to permeate business because I feel like that's where a lot of change could happen. Our ideals, you know, as black people, as members of a community that is very collectivist, right? About loving each other and just uplifting and all these things. I want to see that in the business sector as well. And I feel like the more we have our community represented at school to then go out into the world and bring the, these ideas um, that y'all are speaking about, the more that you know we can learn to take care of each other, to really seek to understand, to love each other, and to take care of the planet, the world, ourselves, each other. I feel like that's missing. And so yeah, it's, it's gonna take some time um, it's going to take some work, but that's why I feel like representation matters because we have something to give. We have value to add, and I feel like they're missing that right now. Thank you for sharing that, and thank you guys for all being with us today. While a lot of these experiences will obviously transcend to other individuals and groups, we hope that talking about them through this lens gives all who are listening either a new perspective or a reflection of your own experience. Overall, being Black in B-School encompasses so many different viewpoints. But the more space we take up, the more doors we can open for each other. I'd like to thank Nadia, Kendra, and Tori for spending time with me in the studio, my fabulous co-host Charles, our producer Samantha for producing and editing this episode, and you for listening. We'll be back for a brand new episode next week. See you then.